I'm Luke Kennedy with the McCain Institute, and you're in the arena with leaders and citizens who are taking character-based action. Well, we're very honored today to have in the arena Ambassador Takan Ildam, who is the Assistant Secretary General for Public Diplomacy at uh, NATO. He's had a lot of top positions, and he's in Washington, D.C. for the 70th anniversary of NATO. And I think that's our logical start place, but I'm not going to start quite exactly where you might think. Um, you're much younger than NATO. Um, NATO's 70. But what has NATO meant to you uh, personally before we get to what NATO 70th means to you and to a lot of us? Well, first of all, coming from Turkey, uh, I uh, remember my childhood with all the challenges, difficulties, threats uh, emanating out of the Cold War years. And uh, as a child, I was taught how important it was for Turkey to join NATO. And Turkey joined NATO in 1952. And uh, it was also uh, symbolic in terms of uh, uh, the Western orientation of the country uh, and uh, since then Turkey uh, has become a very loyal and important uh, ally uh, within the alliance so for me NATO has always been a very strong point of reference and uh, lucky enough in my long career and uh, two days ago I completed 41 years in service uh, uh, That's it, impressive. Was, <laughs> it was gratifying to see my country uh, playing an important role in such an important alliance. And uh, we have to see that uh, NATO has been the most successful alliance in the world. Uh, first, uh, uh, what uh, NATO could achieve in uh, making our citizens, and we are talking about one billion citizens uh, of NATO countries, right now 29 nations, soon to be 30 with the accession of uh, the Republic of North Macedonia, right? Uh, to uh, make sure that our countries are protected, our citizens are safe, and our country is sharing the same values uh, to uh, be proud uh, with the notion that one is for all, for all is for one. Uh, it is such a sense of security and confidence. Uh, if we were successful as an alliance, it was because of the strong transatlantic bonds allies from North America, allies from European continent, working together in unity and cohesion, in solidarity with each other. So um, let's, let's talk progress, and I kind of think of it in terms of dimensions of progress. I mean, mankind progresses, I, I like to think. NATO has been around uh, 70 years, but I think for some people, and, and maybe I'm thinking of kind of the American viewer listener here, um, they think of NATO as, as maybe quite static and, you know, defensive. Um, I, 
I'm not so sure that's the quite the right way to think about it in today's world. So you can talk about progress and points of progress that maybe the average American just wouldn't have had a chance to catch up to. Well, first of all, uh, we have to remember uh, what NATO has uh, served as a security alliance. It's a political and military alliance during the Cold War. But even after the Cold War, when we uh, remember uh, what had happened uh, with uh, the 9-11 terrorist attacks, it was the first time that NATO allies invoked Article 5 of the Washington Treaty. Uh, and uh, it is for the first time ever that uh, Article uh, 5 was invoked and allies shoulder to shoulder uh, fought in Afghanistan to make uh, sure that Afghanistan uh, does not become uh, a country, a safe haven for terrorists to operate uh, against the security and safety of our uh, citizens. Uh, we could be able to uh, manage the enlargement of NATO uh, with uh, those countries uh, who would who wish to join NATO with the aim to not only sharing the principles and values that we all share but also contributing to uh, shared security uh, they uh, took part in different operations and missions uh, another important thing is that NATO is not a static organization, but uh, always adapts itself. Right. Let us remember also uh, 2014, a watershed year when Russian Federation uh, annexed illegally and illegitimately uh, Crimea and initiated uh, uh, aggressive uh, actions in eastern Ukraine. And NATO uh, decided uh, to uh, suspend its practical cooperation with Russia while maintaining dialogue, but at the same time took a number of measures. Uh, since 2014, uh, with Wales Summit meeting and uh, the 2016 Warsaw Summit meeting and 2018 Brussels Summit meeting, uh, it adapted to the new security environment with complex challenges. Uh, not only the assertive uh, and aggressive uh, Russia, uh, but also with hybrid and cyber uh, threats, uh, with all the uh, emerging challenges that we face, uh, NATO has adapted itself uh, to respond to the new security environment. So you talk about how NATO has adapted. Um, I kind of brought up about uh, primarily known as a defensive alliance, which that aspect hasn't um, really changed, but you were generous enough to spend time with a wider visit at the McCain Institute today. And I heard you talk about how NATO uh, is, is really interested in putting effort in strategic anticipation. Um, that, that struck me. Uh, can you tell us a little more about that? Well, uh, I think uh, when you look uh, at the work of NATO, uh, when we talk about these adaptation 
uh, it comes uh, with uh, a number of uh, reform process. The latest being the uh, adaptation of the uh, command structure. Uh, with the uh, new command uh, structure uh, uh, and the commands uh, which were created, we are focusing more uh, on uh, military mobility, uh, the readiness of our forces, reinforcement of our forces, uh, and at the same time, what is needed is uh, to uh, increase our situational awareness when it comes to uh, instability in our neighborhood. So the fundamental pillars of our work is first uh, to strengthen our deterrence and defense. Uh, and uh, when we talk about uh, Russian Federation, which I alluded to earlier, uh, it is a dual-track policy that we are uh, implementing uh, uh, with strong uh, uh, deterrence and defense on the one hand and also uh, a meaningful dialogue with Russia. Uh, but uh, the second pillar is projecting stability beyond our borders, which requires us to strengthen our uh, situational awareness uh, so that uh, we could have a better idea about the instability in our neighborhood, uh, to engage with uh, a number of partners to uh, build uh, their uh, capacities and strengthen them, uh, be it in terms of giving uh, uh, advice, uh, uh, assistance, and training their forces. Uh, when we uh, deal with uh, the existing challenges, and terrorism is one important one, it is the best way to engage with our partners so that they could be equipped uh, in their capacities to deal with these challenges themselves. And when our partners are safe, our neighborhood is safe, we are more secure. So shifting gears a little bit, uh, I think important to, to, for people to catch up how NATO nowadays is engaging with partners to think ahead strategically, anticipating, if you will. But you're responsible for engaging publics in general, a pretty monumental task when you think of the wide array of publics that you have to, 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 uh, to, to think through. And I know that has you traveling widely, but I'm just observing what you're doing here in Washington. Tomorrow there'll be this event NATO engages. And I'm struck, you know, NATO is known to be able to have a conference and to be able to pull people together. But this is not at the normal venue. This is uh, on the waterfront in Washington, D.C., at a venue where I have to admit before I heard, I'm like, wait a minute, that's where rock bands go to play. That's not where <laughs> NATO goes, but that's where you're going to be tomorrow. So it seems like you're getting creative on how to reach publics. Well, uh, it is true. Uh, uh, last year uh, at uh, Brussels uh, summit meeting, uh, uh, NATO supported uh, a consortium of partners, uh, Atlantic Council, uh, German Marshall Fund, and Munich Security uh, Conference uh, in organizing NATO uh, Engages event, which brought together 
uh, not only the expert community with well-known uh, figures, but also young generation and women. And uh, I think uh, when we have the regular pollings in different allied nations, what we see is that there is a lack of knowledge uh, in young generation, women, and less educated people. Right. So in our communication strategy, we try to engage with those segments of the society uh, to better inform them about what NATO stands for, what are our values, why uh, defense spending is important, the importance of Article uh, 5 of the Washington Treaty, uh, the solidarity, cohesion, unity among allies. Uh, and it is worthwhile to uh, reach out to these segments of our publics uh, to increase awareness about what we do. Uh, and uh, this time uh, in Washington, D.C., the selection uh, of uh, the venue is also indicative of uh, the uh, creativity uh, uh, as uh, part of uh, uh, the preparations uh, and uh, we very much uh, support this uh, endeavor uh, which uh, was undertaken uh, by uh, the three uh, partners in consortium but there are also institutional uh, partners uh, and I know that uh, uh, McCain Institute is also uh, taking part. Uh, we're, we're a proud, a very proud partner. I think for me, you know, as a former uh, NATO spokesman, I'm just struck by, you know, this isn't your grandfather's NATO. You probably should know what, you know, NATO meant to your grandfather, but you need to know kind of what NATO means uh, right now. And I think it's, uh, uh, it's, it's great to see you reaching out that way. And you re having to reach out and reach publics at a time when uh, there's a lot of disinformation and concerted disinformation out there. I mean, I have this article about, you know, authoritarian, uh, uh, well, authoritarianism and, and disinformation in, in front of me, but really that's something that NATO has to tackle as well, right? Disinformation, you, well, this you have to worry about this. Yes, more and more uh, uh, we are tackling it with more systematic ways and tools. Uh, uh, it is uh, part of a hybrid uh, action and uh, we should be aware of uh, those uh, tactics uh, put in place uh, with combination of uh, uh, cyber attacks. Uh, uh, and uh, what we try to do at NATO is uh, to uh, strengthen our capacity in uh, understanding the information space uh, to follow the hostile narrative so that we could see uh, which uh, uh, myths are being used, uh, which fake news are spreading in the right. information space uh, so that we calibrate our communications. But uh, I don't think that uh, tackling the issue with reactive lines and uh, with uh, sort of uh, uh, responding to uh, some of the uh, allegations is the only way to deal it in an eff effective way. What we should do is at the same time to uh, 
make sure that NATO's narrative is uh, prominently featuring in the information space. Uh, therefore, uh, we try to uh, address uh, this information uh, with a, a solid narrative of NATO uh, to be in information space. Uh, and also, uh, when you uh, look at the uh, NATO's website, you can see uh, a portal uh, named uh, Setting the Record Straight, uh, debunking all the uh, myths uh, uh, that uh, are being used uh, by uh, as part of the hostile narrative against uh, NATO. So truth and facts uh, still have yes. a very, very important place. Our, our time is is short. I, I want to ask you, um, you've served in Washington uh, a, long, you know, a number of, of years. Kind of a combination question. Um, what's it like to be back? But then, you know, diplomacy and relationships and maybe how Washington uh, helped with that. But in general, you know, what it's what, what do you think of when you come to Washington and what do you think of uh, the state of play of diplomacy? Kind of hit you with two things at once there. Well, I served uh, in Washington uh, from 1989 to 1993, uh, and uh, I could be able to see two different administrations. It was uh, the Gulf War years, and uh, Turkey being a staunch ally of the United States uh, at a particular place, and being a spokesperson at that time, I could be able to interact with uh, a number of prominent uh, journalists uh, and uh, it was a, a very interesting uh, period uh, for me. Uh, this is uh, such a capital uh, you could see many things happening uh, when you go to the Congress uh, interacting with uh, uh, professional staffers and uh, staffers of different congressmen you learn a lot but at the same time you convey uh, the messages from your country for them to better understand. Uh, for me, it was a very enriching uh, experience. And uh, as a spokesperson, uh, I didn't have any difficulty in uh, uh, reaching out to people. They were always uh, uh, received me with uh, utmost uh, attention uh, and uh, uh, I also, uh, at that time, uh, was uh, regular to uh, different uh, uh, press institutions, mm. uh, having uh, uh, regular engagements with uh, uh, the editorial boards together with my ambassador. Uh, and the editorial board meetings uh, were uh, so useful uh, to convey our messages. and. Uh, we uh, establish a good network uh, of uh, uh, people uh, uh, to work with and uh, they were calling us, picking up the phone and uh, trying to understand our perspective and if there is anything to correct, we were reaching out to them. Uh, so it was a, a very uh, two-way street uh, working to all of our uh, interests. Uh, I am very happy to be here uh, this time uh, because uh, it has a special meaning, uh, 70th anniversary of NATO. Uh, NATO ministers uh, will meet uh, 
uh, tomorrow uh, uh, and uh, uh, the next day, 3rd and 4th of uh, April, uh, to mark uh, the 70th anniversary, but also to discuss important uh, topics on their agenda. First and foremost, uh, Russia. And we know that uh, uh, INF Treaty uh, is uh, in danger, and we want uh, Russian Federation to return to full and transparent uh, compliance. Uh, there is still time for them to make such a decision. Uh, because uh, what we have seen is that they uh, unfortunately breached uh, the uh, rules stipulated uh, in uh, INF Treaty. I myself uh, worked at that time when INF negotiations were conducted. I was at NATO at that time, and it was so good to reach uh, an agreement between uh, the Soviet Union and the United States in 1987. And I think it is one very important instrument. Although European allies are not signatory of INF Treaty, uh, they uh, benefit from this uh, arrangement. And uh, the decision of the United States this time, because of the deployments of the Russian SSC-8 system uh, to uh, uh, declare, to announce its uh, intention to withdraw uh, from this uh, treaty uh, is being uh, supported by all allies. And uh, they all make uh, the plea to the Russian Federation for it to return to full and transparent I think, compliance. I think that's... You know, to me, I'll just you know, me personally, maybe to others, it's an important reminder. Maybe it shouldn't be, but but it is an important reminder of just the serious issues, some being revisited, reformed that that are on the table. And I think, you know, sometimes you can, because NATO when it meets, the ceremonial aspects are very impressive and and pervasive. So I think it's a very important reminder of the serious issues uh, on 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 the table. One final kind of standing question we have, um, and you can picture whoever you like uh, as you answer this, but it's really more for an emerging leader out there. But I'm trying to think, what's the equivalent of someone like you as a, as a young man, you know, being told uh, Turkey ought to join NATO, uh, maybe having no real expectation then how central NATO would become to your life? Um, what advice do you have someone maybe in kind of a similar situation uh, right now? Uh, well, uh, before I uh, do that, uh, I complete the answer that I was uh, giving uh, before this. Uh, it is an effective course, ambassador gets his point across. Yes, please. <laughs> uh, it, it is not only, of course, Russia that ministers would be discussing. Uh, Black Sea security would be in uh, in their on their agenda, uh, countering terrorism and uh, the existing security challenges. And also, they would be dis discussing transatlantic bonds and uh, uh, fair burden sharing, uh, which uh, is an important uh, topic uh, with uh, the spending, uh, defense spending uh, cut after the Cold War. Right. Uh, but now uh, there is an increase by all allied countries. Uh, and uh, in the last uh, two years, 
41 billion dollars was added to what we have as defense spending and by the end of next year the number will be 100 billion dollars so uh, yeah, so this idea that people haven't contributed more, countries haven't contributed more, is old news. I mean, the contributions have gone up substantially. Yes, yes. so it is uh, an important uh, message that our public should know. Uh, and uh, since 2014, with the Wales pledge, 2% uh, uh, of the GDPs of every country is the criteria. And within that, 20% uh, to be allocated for new equipment uh, and uh, allies are making uh, an effort uh, so there is a good trend uh, and we need to maintain this and there is a sense of urgency among all allies now uh, for uh, young leaders uh, I have to uh, say a few things first uh, the, the uh, security issues are so important for our countries. And uh, there are a number of young, talented professionals who have an interest in security domain. And they are uh, doing uh, uh, their contributions because each time that we interact uh, at meetings like NATO engages and tomorrow I hope we will have yet another opportunity uh, we are so much impressed uh, with uh, their wisdom and I uh, can only encourage them to, to continue sharing their ideas with us uh, we also need uh, out of the box uh, ideas uh, and their contributions are very in, uh, uh, encouraging and uh, thought-provoking. Second important thing is uh, for them also to guide those coming after them, hmm. uh, to engage with them. Uh, if they are uh, right now young leaders, they should also uh, take the responsibility to mentor uh, the coming generations. Uh, it's a process. Uh, I remember even at my young age, I was trying my uh, best to reach out to those who were coming. Bring others after. with you. Yes. yes. Bring others along with you. Yes. Uh, this would be important. And uh, third thing uh, is uh, sometimes we neglect the importance of international organizations. Uh, NATO is one of them. Uh, we have internship programs. And I see many talented people coming to NATO headquarters with different uh, skill sets. And uh, they uh, are tasked to uh, be part of uh, one division or unit at NATO. And you, you could see how talented, gifted they are, and they are so enthusiastically engaged to make a contribution to the work of NATO. So I strongly uh, encourage them, uh, if they are uh, young, just uh, uh, graduated their universities, uh, NATO internship is one possibility for them to 
uh, expose themselves to uh, an international environment uh, to work with uh, people coming from different nations. It also uh, strengthens your sense of belonging to this alliance uh, and uh, uh, also to share your own uh, cultural uh, baggage with others. Uh, and uh, uh, for that, uh, uh, I uh, encourage them to uh, see ways uh, to first uh, uh, apply for the internship, which we have ample information on our website, but at the same time to uh, look at the vacancies uh, in our website and apply for those job, jobs that they think they could uh, make a value Realize added. Those jobs are there yeah, yeah. Um, for them. Well, what I'm hearing come through quite clear is get across the Atlantic, engage, which you're certainly doing, and we really appreciate your time. Thank you for being in the arena and hope that you'll allow us to, to stay in touch and perhaps you can come back and we'd love for you to update us and you know to work with you in the future. Thank you very much and thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it. This podcast is produced by Patrick McCann and Justin Kessler. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, tell your friends, or leave a review.